Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Good morning. Give you guys a second to take your seats. So it's a little different for me up here. I've never spoke, I feel empty without my guitar in front of me. So it's kind of like my, it's kind of like my blankie, my comfort. Uh, yeah, I might have to bring it later. Um, yeah, so Aaron asked me about a month ago if I'd feel comfortable speaking this morning, and I said that I didn't, but I still would. Um, so I'm going to spend about the next 25 minutes or so and just, just share my story. Um, you know, things I've been through, trials and tribulations, and, and how God's brought me through those. So a few people were asking me if I felt nervous, and I mean a little bit, but not, I'm not so much nervous about speaking as I am, I guess, reluctant to be vulnerable to, you know, kind of share um, things about my, my story. So um, yeah, I hope you give me some uh, grace and understanding there. In terms of telling stories, everyone has, you know, uh, a few versions of their stories they could tell. You know, for example, the, the Facebook story where <clears throat> your kids are the smartest and the fastest and the cutest and the best at everything. You know, you just bought a new house or your marriage is perfect or you always eat exquisite meals by the ocean on a yacht, right? Or you're at some amazing event again, right? And, and those, there's nothing wrong with those stories, um, but those are the mountaintop moments. And so I want to uh, spend a lot of the time going through, you know, the valleys, the, the, the part that's really life um, that we go through, and really um, then after that highlight the mountaintop moments that, that came from there. So I can really see in hindsight going through all of those um, valley moments, that's where I really I learned the most, and the most character was built in me, and it helped to shape, shape me into the man that I am today. So I'm not here to promote myself or brag or anything like that. I'm just gonna allow myself to try and be a little bit vulnerable to all of you today. And uh, hopefully my, my allergies don't cause my eyes to water or anything. I don't have allergies. <laughs> um, my, my hope and prayer is that you know, through my story, you'll feel encouraged in your own faith and life. And I hope that you'll see how God has you know, worked through me, uh, through my trials, and he was with me. And you'll see that through anything that you're going through, he's always there. Um, disclaimer, the following are the expressed opinions of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or beliefs of this church. <laughs> but I just add that in. So, so now I'm safe. Anything I say can't get in trouble because I said a disclaimer at the beginning, right? So we're, we're all good. Okay, you with me so far? <laughs> okay, good. So everybody here has a unique story. And so th this is mine. So I, I grew up the eldest of three in really Ontario. Uh, I went to church here and there as a, a very young child, mostly with my nan and papa, my, uh, my mom's parents. Uh, my parents always instilled Christian pr principles and values in us, you know, do unto others and love your neighbor, turn the other cheek. Um, I was very fortunate to have great parents who loved and cared for me. Uh, they're still great, it's great support to me today. Uh, and I had a wonderful home life. Um, but school, that, that was really tough for me after we moved uh, the summer between grade three and grade four. Uh, grades four to six were actually uh, the, the worst years of my life. Um, the bullying verbally and physically, uh, it was really bad. Um, so much so here I am talking about 30 years later, right? Um, there was those allergies, man. Uh, there were a few boys that made it impossible for any of the other boys. Oh, I just looked at my wife, that was a mistake. Um, 
Uh, it made it impossible uh, for any of the other boys to even talk to me. Uh, otherwise, they'd face the consequences of being beat up and targeted themselves. I'd even try, um, <clears throat> even try hanging out with the girls to try and skip or something like that, and even they didn't want the hassle of, of being with me. <clears throat> It was so much easier when I was practicing at home. Um, at recess, I'd get cornered by, the, by a crowd of boys. They'd take turns throwing insults at me <clears throat> about the clothes I wore, how I looked, about what a loser I was. <clears throat> I'd get kicked and punched, wedgied, articles of clothes taken off, some of or all of the above. That was, that's my existence for those years. My parents tried everything. They talked to the teachers and the principal. I tried everything to try and fit in. They started mouthing off my teachers, let my grades slip. My parents even splurged to buy me some name brand clothing, so hopefully then I'd be accepted, but no. By grade five, I was so stressed out that I had to be off school for a number of weeks. I didn't tell my parents or doctors at the time, but I thought about killing myself, then the pain. Thankfully, with no Google or YouTube back then, um, my plan was to drink a bottle of rubbing alcohol, which would have just given me an upset stomach. Um, but I, I didn't end up attempting anything, so I always felt that there was something more for me. I just wasn't sure what that was. My parents were at their wit's end, and they decided to enroll me in karate, and I loved it. Gave me some much-needed self-confidence and self-worth. The bullying was still going on. My dad sat me down after I was in karate for a bit, and he said, if one of the boys are pestering you, give them two warnings and punch them as hard as you can. <laughs> and this was the opposite of everything I'd been taught up to that point. My dad spoke to the principal, my teachers, telling them what I was going to do, and then my dad didn't want a phone call from them. I had his permission, and I wasn't to be punished for it. So there was grade five French class, the one kid sitting behind me, started with a permanent marker writing on, my back, on the back of my neck. I turned around and said, dude, like, don't, don't do that, I'm gonna punch you, right? Does it again. Seriously, last time, I'm warning you. I'd never punched another kid in, in my life, um, so he, he did it again, and I stood up and turned around, and for all I was worth, I punched him in the face. He went flying back in his chair onto the ground. It felt so good, but I was shaking and trying to hold back the tears. Teacher sent him to the office. He had to serve an in-school suspension during uh, recess for fighting, and I can, can continue going to classes in recess. I had to punch quite a few more kids after that. I was, <laughs> I was kicking ass and taking names. I'd had enough. I wouldn't wish my experience in those grades upon anyone, but it's made me who I am today. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> I don't let society tell me what I should wear or own to be accepted. It's kind of part of why I don't drink coffee today. I don't have a Facebook account, so everyone else is doing it, so I don't want anything to do with it. Um, after being rejected and told what I could or couldn't do, what I, couldn't, what I could say or wear, made me very determined as well. 
for example, in elementary school, I was cut from this, the soccer team, and I really wanted to play. So all the next year, I always had a soccer ball, even inside, uh, next to the chagrin of my parents, uh, practicing, and a few windows were broken. Um, but I, uh, yeah, next year on the team, led the team uh, to the finals and everything like that. Um, so as a family, through my struggles, and those are my brother, we started going to church regularly as I went into grade seven. I accepted Jesus as my savior in grade eight, and I was baptized as well. I witnessed lots of changes in myself, my siblings, and my parents. I remember my dad, who grew up with an abusive alcoholic father, taking all the alcohol from the house and going to the dump to smash the bottles. I asked him, what are you doing? As he was loading up the van. He said, alcohol never brought any good into my life, and it's not going to bring any good into yours. God was at work. Around the same time that summer before grade eight, something amazing happened. For as long as I'd remembered, I suffered from migraines. I'd get them if I got too excited or upset, or they'd be triggered like certain foods, by certain foods like bananas or cheddar cheese, which are two of my favorite foods. Um, so when I'd come home from being bullied at school, I'd try not to cry, because then that would lead to a migraine. And my migraines couldn't be touched by any medications, so the pain would be so severe that I'd, have, I'd end up vomiting several times, and I'd just have to sleep it off overnight. It really sucked. One morning that summer, when I slept at my nan and papa's house, I woke up early and caught the last bit of Benny Hinn's program my grandparents were watching. Now, Benny Hinn, he was a TV evangelist in the 90s. He was known for wearing white suits, and he closed his program with um, praying for healing. I kind of sat there reluctantly waiting for the program to end because my nana was going to make her um, buttermilk pancakes for breakfast. Um, As the TV preacher wrapped up his show, he started describing illnesses and conditions that people had, and he said God had now healed them. Good, I thought, almost done, I can get some breakfast. Then he said, there's a young boy who suffers from severe migraines. You're healed in Jesus' name. I looked at my nana and she said, that's you, claim it, praise the Lord. I remember this feeling coming over me. It was like, like when you get the chills, but it was, it was warm and comforting. Now I'd had a migraine just a few days before and I was a little skeptical. So I decided to claim it the best way I knew how as a 12 year old boy. I got up, I ran over to the fruit bowl, and I grabbed a banana, and I ate it down as quick as I could. I ran over to the fridge, and I whipped open the door, grabbed a chunk of cheese, and I ate it like it was a chocolate bar. So good, hadn't had one in so long. And I waited, and nothing, no migraine. So I had another banana while I waited for my pancakes to be ready. (laughs) Pretty well every day I eat a banana, Often too, had one this morning actually, love them. (laughs) Best fruit ever. Uh, And I also put old cheddar cheese on as many things as possible. And there's a lot of things you can put cheese on, let me tell you. In the 30 years since, I haven't had another migraine or even a headache. My doctor said I grew out of it, but I know what the truth is. Proverbs 22.1 says, a good reputation is more precious than gold. I always recall this verse from one of the many scriptures that my nana would share with me. I always made certain to be honest and fair in everything that I did. In high school, I actually worked at Shoppers Drug Mart. I started as a stock boy at 13, and by 16, I was a pharmacy assistant. I stocked the medications, including the narcotics, did the filing, filled prescriptions. 
One day at school, I was approached by a guy who asked me if I could get him some Oxycontin, and he said he'd give me $20 per pill. I told him I wasn't going to risk my job for a few dollars. That evening, I was at work in the pharmacy, and being the open book that I am, I mentioned to my coworkers the offer I had and how I'd refused it. A few days later, the pharmacy owner phoned me up and asked me where I put the Oxycontin from the order the night before. It wasn't in the safe where I know I put it. I worked that evening, and as I found out later, more Oxy disappeared after my shift. Apparently, they were actually going to fire me after working there for three years, but thankfully, a number of the staff knew that I would never do that. Instead, management quietly installed a hidden camera right up above the safe in the store uh, when they were closed. Uh, again, the next shift after I worked, more Oxy went missing. To the surprise of some, but clear as day on camera, they saw who the thief was. It was the pharmacist. After my shift went, ended at 11 p.m., she was there until midnight on her own, and she was helping herself and using me as the fall guy. I worked at Shoppers Drug Mart through the rest of high school, through university, and after graduating until the age of 25 as a store manager, so 12 years in total. Thankfully, I had a good reputation that, that didn't uh, um, end, end short. Skipping back to grade nine, I was uh, not the, the man you see here today. I was uh, five feet tall, 100 pounds with braces, and I had an awesome mullet. You know, it's short in the top, long in the back, or as I like to say, you know, business up front, party in the back. I was also sporting a sweet silk shirt in the yearbook, too. Yeah, I was Captain Cool, not. I was a nerdy athletic geek chess club champion, starter on the high school soccer team, and a, and a wannabe musician. I was pretty involved with church, arriving early most Sundays with my family to set up and do takedown, much like we do here. I really wanted to play guitar, really bad. In grade nine music, when I was asked what instrument I wanted to play, naturally I said, guitar. So my teacher took me over to the piano, hit a few keys, and asked me to hum the note. I couldn't carry a tune if it had handles. Son, he said, you're tone deaf. Here's the clarinet. <laughs> I asked him, I said, what can I do to improve? There's got to be something. He said, unfortunately, nothing. You'll never be able to play guitar, he told me. Hmm. Really? As much as it disappointed me, like I said from before, it motivated me. Um, I didn't want anyone telling me what I could or couldn't do. So I think had that not happened, I, I might not even be playing today. I never touched the clarinet or sax since grade nine, but I'm still playing guitar. Aside from proving my teachers wrong, do you know why I really wanted to play guitar so bad? To worship at church would have been a great answer, but no, girls. <laughs> Although this wasn't working for me, so I had to find something else to help me with the ladies. And it worked too. Angie and I have been married for 19 years next month. <laughs> Seems so much longer, I mean shorter than that. <laughs> I'm not gonna make eye contact. As I got better on guitar, I really badly wanted to sing, but I just couldn't hit the notes. I watched the family videos that my grandparents took from the time, and it was pretty painful. I could clear a room in no time. To improve, I'd keep singing the same song over and over again. I'd turn it up really loud on my stereo, but I just couldn't get it until finally I could, I could hear the note in my head, and then I could hit it with a lot of practice. So I continued to work at it and started singing and playing okay. 
through the rest of high school. I played at church almost every Sunday. At Redeemer University, I had the privilege of being part of Church in the Box, which is a, a monthly uh, on-campus cancer le- uh, concert-like service. And I also got to travel throughout the GTA and Southwestern Ontario. And here I am today, a volunteer worship leader, torturing all of you once a month. <laughs> so if God can use me, a goofy, tone-deaf kid, to lead his people in worship, surely he can use anybody, right? Jeremiah 21:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, truly, I believe God could give me a heavenly voice in the blink of an eye or guitar skills that would amaze anyone. I mean, he healed me of my migraines, but he doesn't. Why? I believe it's to keep me humble in seeking my heavenly Father. Sunday morning worship, it's only four or five songs that I do here, but I have to practice them for hours and hours before coming up here. As I prepare, I seek him. As I practice, I worship him, and that helps to keep me grounded. After graduating university as a biology major, I continued working at Shoppers Drug Mart, as I mentioned. But I really wanted to be a financial planner because I loved math, investing, and helping people. I applied to all the banks, but with a science degree and no banking experience, no one was knocking on my door. Angie and I were praying about what the next move should be, and I was seriously considering going back to school or starting an MBA part-time. We decided in January of 2004 to go on vacation. We booked our flight online and arrived early at Pearson Airport the day of our trip. At the check-in counter, we were told we were sitting four rows apart. They blamed us, of course, but we know we booked side by side, and we had the printout and everything, but the flight was fully booked and we couldn't be moved. So we boarded and sat in our, up, in our up, uh, separate rows. Great, I thought, is this how our vacation is going to be? I was sitting there next to this guy and his wife. We started chatting. He asked what I did. I told him my current position, and I really wanted to get into banking. He asked me more questions about that. We discussed the markets, business books we'd both read, and smart money management. As we were getting off the plane, had my bags in the aisle ready to go, he turned to me and gave me his business card and said, send me your resume. He was the regional vice president for Royal Bank. I started at RBC two months later in March of 2004 as a personal banker. It was fantastic. I learned so much, and they paid me, for my additional, paid me to do additional courses as well. God was definitely with me through that. Fast forward to August 2009. I had recently left RBC to pursue another opportunity with a competitor. During the summer, hearing about all the losses with factories like Hershey and that sort of thing closing, I remember saying something uh, to Angie like, we're so wise to have jobs in banking in the government. We'll never be without a job. Our son Simon was two and a half years old. Olivia was going to be turning uh, one that October, and Angie was going to be going back from maternity leave. I was in the middle of renovating our basement of our dream house with $30,000 in borrowed funds. No big deal because once it was done, the house would be worth more, we'd refinance it and pay off the high interest cards. Except I lost my job. So during the tail end of the financial crisis, I lost my job in banking. No problem, I thought, I'll get another job, I'm a hard-working guy. I applied to over 50 positions in Canada, the US, Caymans, England, even Dubai, nothing. All fall and winter, my full-time job was looking for work in my field. By spring of 2009, I said to Angie, maybe I'm not supposed to be in banking. I remember that one summer, I really loved doing landscaping. I did that during the days, and then I worked at Chopper's Drug Mart at night. We discussed it a bit and decided to move ahead. So I created some flyers, went door-to-door to to strum up business. 
After three days of giving out almost 300 flyers with no calls, I was beside myself discouraged and frustrated. I've been out of work for eight months with rejection after rejection. I actually drove to the park just behind us here. I sat by the river under a willow tree and I cried out to God, what do you want from me? Should I do something else? I give up, please, show me a sign or something. And I headed home demoralized. Shortly after dinner that evening, my phone rang. One of the houses I stopped at saw my flyer and wanted a quote. It was a huge job too. I went there that evening and I was straight with him. I said, hey, I just lost my job in banking. I did landscaping in university. I'm just starting my company. I quoted him $17,000 for the job and asked for a couple thousand to get started. He wrote me a check for the full $17,000 to help me get started. Wow. My team and I, the jobs kept rolling from there all the way through the fall, and as winter approached, I knew I didn't want to be on call for snow plowing in the middle of the night and freezing. So I saw at the Carlton Place Shoppers Drug Mart, they were hiring when I noticed when I was in there getting something for the kids. So I started working there in October of 2010, stocking shelves from four till midnight. It was pretty humbling being 32 years old and back at the job I did when I was a 13-year-old kid, but I had bills to pay. Then that November, uh, one evening, a former colleague of mine from RBC came into the store. He'd been promoted to branch manager and transferred to the branch here in Carlton Place. Asked me how I was doing, that sort of thing, and said, uh, I have a job opening at the branch here, and it's yours if you want it. So I started back at RBC in November of 2010 in the same position I started at in 2004, but I was promised I could move up after some time, which I did. Now, skipping back, during those eight months of job loss, lots happened. Seems when it rains, it pours. The washer broke, the dryer broke, the transmission in our van went, the CRA reassessed our taxes and wanted paid yesterday, so we were fighting them on that. Debts were mounting as we were set up as a two-income household, but we only had one income coming in. Even running out of milk was super stressful as I scrambled to try and find room on a credit card or line of credit. We had to use the kids' birthday money to even buy groceries. I sold stuff on Kijiji, whatever I had to, had to do to get some money. And during this time too, Angie and I weren't exactly getting along, to say, say it lightly. Uh, all the stress and strain from losing, losing income and all those underlying issues that marriages all have kind of bubbled to the surface. We had to sell our dream house that we just renovated and didn't get to enjoy. Then we moved into a much smaller house without the same features that we had. Uh, we ate through our savings and had tons of high interest debts. I'd make payments on one credit card by using another credit card just to keep my credit score up, but I was just getting further and further behind. Our house sold in the summer of 2010, and we bought, uh, there's a log house on Highway 29 in front of where the solar farm is. We were there before that eyesore was there. Now the stress, which added to it, of them building a solar farm behind us in a house that we were told they could never build anything, also added to our stressful situation. Though in the end, it actually ended up being a blessing. So we received a sum from them in 2013 that actually more than brought us back to where we were before my job loss. Praise God. So getting back to, uh, so I started the bank, like I said, in November of 2010. By the spring of 2011, I couldn't function. I think from all the stress going through everything, my performance at work was slipping and I was useless at home. I take out the milk from the fridge and I put it back in the cupboard. I took the frozen box of chicken breasts and put it back under the sink for some reason. I remember sitting in my office and the client was across from me spilling her financial um, story. And I sat there nodding, but I was staring at her earrings and counting the gems on her <laughs> earring over and over and over again. I had no idea what she said. 
I managed to bumble through the, through the meeting and I went into my manager's office and said, I'm not well, I need to go home. I had to take leave from work, go on medication. Uh, as much as I considered myself a strong person, it took all of my energy just to get out of bed every day. Every normal function or task was an almost insurmountable chore. Then I'd stay up too late surfing online to try and find some miracle business or scheme or another job or something that I could do to help us get out of our financial hole. And that stressed me out more, which is just a vicious cycle. Slowly throughout 2011 into 2012, through counseling, prayer, love, and patience for one another, Angie and I made it through. And as our marriage and financial stress subsided, I was able to come off the medication. Our love for one another and our relationships even stronger now than ever after going through all that. Fast forward to last year, 2018. Angie has a great paying position that she enjoys at a startup company. I have a salaried position with a financial company and my own financial planning business. We're living the dream on the surface. Money's coming in almost faster than we can spend it because I learned from the past. We're living on one income instead of two. So we could save and not have all that stress. However, Angie was working 60, 80, 100 hours a week. Uh, plus with a moment's notice, she'd have to leave town for a couple days. I was working a good 60 hours a week uh, and I was gone out at least two evenings, plus volunteering at church and with the hospital foundation. Over one eight-week period, there was one of us out of town at least two nights every week, and it just wasn't sustainable with, with our kids. Uh, I'd book my clients' meetings a few weeks in advance, then Angie would have to leave town the next day, I'd have to call them up to rebook, because someone had to look after the kids. We were rarely eating together, and almost always eating out, because we were so crunched for time and just had nothing left. We weren't living, we were just surviving until Sunday came and we'd maybe have a few hours to spend some time together, sometimes. Angie and I knew we needed to do something, so we made it work and we attended a marriage weekend in, in April last year. And uh, through, through that, the kind of thought of me scaling back started percolating. percolating. Uh, I also attended a men's conference, uh, Solely Business, in, in May too. Through a lot of discussion and prayer, I felt that I should give up my salaried position to alleviate the pressure at home and better serve my clients. It was tough because, well, I didn't want to give up the position, and I especially didn't want to give up the money. It was, you know, nice to have that in, that's, that security. But I did so in August of 2018. It was a little better at home, but not a whole lot, as business seemed to just eat up the supposed extra time that I had. Uh, and then I really felt like God wanted me to leave my business too. But I didn't want to. I prayed for, for a clear sign. Boy, did I get one. Be careful what you wish for or pray for. One of my clients, through their other advisor, submitted a claim against me with the regulators. It was full of outlandish claims saying I owed him $17,000 when he should have been going after the other advisor. My compliance officer said she'd never seen anything so ridiculous in 20 years in her position. Ridiculous or not, in this industry, the onus is on the advisor to prove themselves innocent. I read you loud and clear, God. I put the wheels in motion to wrap up my business August 31st of last year. After submitting tons of documents, having interrogations, I mean interviews with the regulators, after a few months, they found the claims against me were unfounded. Hooray. Now by February of this year, I, I, I wasn't doing well. I was supposed to manage the household, look after the kids, uh, get them to and from school and cook dinner, but I, I just felt like I had no purpose. I spent more days than I care to admit in my boxers on the couch, eating cereal and watching Netflix. Um, also during this time, I thought, you know, maybe I should get back into banking. I've been away for long enough, so I prayed about it, 
And again, I got an answer. Another complaint from the same client to a higher regulatory body with the same claims and a few more sprinkled in. For whatever reason, this woke me up from my wallowing. I think because I felt bullied that this other advisor through this client was you know, kind of attacking me. So it gave me the fight and motivation that I needed to pull up my socks. Once again, I was found innocent of these crazy claims against me, and I decided to fight back. So I filed a complaint of my own against the other advisor to the regulators based on facts. Now the client should get his money back, he's owed, and the advisor will be taught a lesson, and this will end any future claims against me. And I'm not planning to go back into banking anytime soon. <laughs> so what am I doing now? Well, um, just like when I was working, to keep me, uh, I set meetings for myself in my, my phone's calendar. So instead of a client coffee meeting at 9 a.m., I'm doing laundry and cleaning the house. Instead of company webinar over lunch, I'm lunch lady man at the kid's school. Uh, next up, I'm going to be flipping a house over the winter with a friend, and I don't know what God has planned for me after that, which is tough, because I've always planned my life out step by step. Um, so I'm really learning to, to trust and, and just follow Him. Through my life, I haven't always traveled on, on the straight and narrow. I've been hot, warm, and cold in my faith, um, but God's always been there regardless. Um, like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I look forward to the plans that he has for me in the years ahead. And that's my story so far. I want to challenge each of you to kind of, you know, think about your story where you are. Like I said, each of us has a unique story um, to tell here, and it's, it's not uh, finished being written yet. Um, so yeah, just really to reflect on that and also to, to see what is it that God has for you um, to help you prosper in the plans that he's, he's uh, set forth? You want to stand with me and we can close in prayer? Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you so much for uh, this morning and uh, uh, hope that uh, the life that, that I've had so far and that the lessons you've taught me, that um, others would uh, be able to apply that to their lives and their own unique stories. I just pray for, for guidance for each and everyone here and that they'd be able to uh, seek you in each step of their lives. We just pray for uh, blessing and for uh, protection this week as we go out and uh, give us the strength and encouragement we need. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.